Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I am your director, Renny Rich, coming to you from an undisclosed, privately held tailor shop and museum. Today, Penn is finishing up his chat with Adam Corolla in history while he's in actuality in Spain. And now here they are preaching live, Penn Gillette and Adam Corolla. Yeah, this is Penn Gillette preaching love. Right now, we're going to go back to my conversation with uh, Adam Carolla. We're going to talk about jugglers and comedians and comparing the two because, uh, yeah, we, that's two things we know. Uh, I'm a juggler. He's a comedian. We're also going to talk about some stuff that was more current back in mid-March when we recorded this, but still good. So uh, keep in mind, if it seems like we're unstuck in time, that we are. And now... Here's Adam Carolla interviewing me. In the green room at uh, Jimmy Kimmel's stand-up Where it's packed. Theater. It is packed. Still getting over the devastation of Shin Lim's cards being added <laughs> using Photoshop. Well, I don't know exactly what program they used. I'm not... Uh... Yeah, he's spraying those cards. So, um... I mean, Adam, I, you yes. can see the faces on the cards. I just want to believe what, so what badly. What photograph... What photographic process are you doing that lays those cards out beautifully? You're right. You're right. I just he say. might. I, 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 I want to take a little bit back to the heartbreak. Mm. He might have actually been springing cards. They might. Have, he could have been doing that. And then they, they put the faces they, they on They just him. helped it out. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to clean it up. Card filter. So <laughs> I was, I, you know, I had a moment in time where I decided to be a juggler as well. Did you? I did. Because I was always coordinated it was good hand-eye stuff and my buddy philip welford was a juggler who was just a great friend and he ended up in branson and then he got this early onset dementia and it's very sad and he died you know fairly young and there's his about, life there's his sure. life about 12 years ago but um he was a good friend of mine and he rode the unicycle mm -hmm. and juggled in his act and I could already ride the unicycle. It's a great thing. So it's like I could ride the unicycle. You're doing comedy and juggling. He's working cruise ships. He's making money. He's doing commercials. I was like, if he could just teach me. And he tried for a few days. And I realized I just, I was sort of like, I don't think I'm going to ever get good enough at this. I, sh I should work harder on just getting better at comedy mm -hmm. versus burn the calories trying to juggle. It is also insane, but it's sort of like what you were talking about, which is this is in the, you know, late eighties, very early nineties. I still thought juggling and riding a unicycle was a sort of viable path it to is. show business. Here's the thing. Uh, magicians, uh, uh, comics, comics fucking hate jugglers because mm. if you get, this is the thing that's amazing. If you get 
a solid 12 minutes of a juggling routine. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good solid 12. I mean, funny and entertaining. Everybody likes it. With that 12, you will work the rest of your life. Yes. You'll, make, you, you'll never get rich. You'll right. make a good living, can support a family. You'll be in six figures. You really will. I mean, that's good money. And you'll go on cruise ships. You'll do corporate shows. You'll do a little variety, you know. But a comic, we know a few guys. You know, there's, there's probably 100 guys who are able to stay at a certain level and always work. But pretty much, pretty much you either break into a sitcom or you get your own gig. The people that stay at a level of constantly working. And I don't know whether this is the the venues, whether this is psychological. Comics that do that for a long time, like Bobby Slayton, and you know, we all know, we could all name Mm. kind of them, um, don't seem to like it. Right. You meet 65-year-old juggler who's been working uh, 40 years, uh, 45 years in juggling. Mm -hmm. He's doing fine. Yeah, I know. That's that was my take. Like Philip would go do a cruise ship, yeah. then he'd go play a club, and then he'd go to Caesar's Tahoe, mm-hmm. get booked for a weekend, and then ultimately end up in Branson. Yep. Playing oh, maybe you know oh, this. The guy. Andy Williams Theater. The and, he opened for Andy Williams <laughs> and would go on the road with Andy Williams sure. and would explain to me back in the mid later eighties when I was making 12, 13 bucks an hour as a carpenter, he would go out with Andy for six, seven weeks, nine weeks open for him and explain to me, he got $6,000 a week. Yeah. And I was like, $6,000 a week. But when you said his name, I didn't recognize it. And I know this shit. Well, no one recognize that you're listening to, but he was working his whole life. Now, I got to say this. That was the goal Teller and I had. To work. Everything else is an accident. Right. A happy accident. By 1985, we were making, you know, more money than our dads did. My dad was a jail guard. Mm -hmm. His dad was a commercial artist. We're making more money than our dads. We were living very happy, and we knew all these guys that were doing cruise ships and corporate shows and little theaters. We were thrilled. And then someone said, try off Broadway, and we said, what the fuck? But, you know, if you talk to Paul McCartney, Madonna, Howard Stern, they will all tell you they were not as famous as they should have been. I bumped all of them for you today, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) They were all bumped. (laughs) Let's get pen in here. Paul McCartney actually says the Beatles weren't as successful as they should have been. Really? He's actually made that sentence. He's actually said that sentence. What does he mean by that? He means that he is more ambitious than anyone you've ever seen. Yeah, and he's still going. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm should... not. I'm no, not. No, but I was, thinking, I was every is he 81, 82. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other day, Maybe, I was yeah. watching Martha Stewart on a Skechers commercial. I was like, somebody should force Paul McCartney to have a kid with Martha Stewart. <laughs> Martha Stewart has 17 jobs. She's in her 80s. Yeah. I mean, you think of our parents. I don't know if your parents made it in their 80s, but think of our parents in their 80s. My grandparents, they were sitting around with shawls. Mm-hmm. They had blankets over their legs. And they were yeah. watching daytime TV. Well, my TV. dad was a little different because he retired as a jail guard young, um, you know, 55, and then uh, then worked the coin business. He was a numismatist. And what he, is that? He's a coin collector, coin mm. dealer. And so he worked rather, rather late. But uh, it is also different because, uh, uh, 
a- age really has changed, and oh health has really changed. Uh, Jane Fonda, I saw her in The View this morning, 85 years old, spry and screaming into a microphone. Oh, and so the guy who I wanted to check you on was my buddy Philip ends up in Branson. Mm-hmm. He's working. He went out there with Andy Williams. Mm-hmm. He's opening for Andy Williams. Andy loves Isn't him. it great? That was my first guess. Yes, it is great. <laughs> and also, like I said, when he would make $6,000 a week and explain that he did 20 minutes a night, yeah. you know, I was like, wait, you know how much you make an hour? Everything was being converted because <laughs> I was getting 13 bucks an hour. Yeah. But he went out there and hooked up with a magician called Kirby. Kirby, Kirby Birch, yeah. Kirby and said the guy was a nightmare. Yep. And and I saw I remember Philip all he said to me was um I'm breaking off from Andy Williams and I'm doing my own thing theater and I don't know one of the Osmond theaters or something mm-hmm. like that and I've hooked up with a magician and his name is Kirby. And then he showed me a picture of a guy in swash buckling captain's boots that went up past his knee, you know, that front flap that yeah, went yeah. past his knee. Where, well, he's uh, in combat. Yes, yeah, so dressed sort of like Michael Jackson in his later years with too much makeup and eyeliner, sort of doing the face of illusion with the hands flying out, the hair puffed up like a cockatiel, you know. And I just looked at this guy and I, I said, I don't know, Philip, this guy seems like a douchebag to me. <laughs> And he's like, hey, he's popular. He's a magician. He's a great guy. We're pairing up, you know. And then later on, I don't know if Kirby screwed him over. What happened to Kirby? Or there was allegations. I don't know yeah. what happened. All of that happened. All of it happened. Yeah. Is he still working? Is he around? I think so. I think he's still trying to work now and again. But you bring up a very good point. Jugglers are maybe the only ones in show business who know how good they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you walk into a room, they're juggling conventions, and I go to them. You walk in the room, you look around, and you know exactly where you are, mm-hmm. precisely where you are. Mm-hmm. And with a magician, what mm-hmm. are they going to say? I'm more magic than you? Right. And with a comedian, I'm funnier than you? Right. It's real. I mean, we knew that Gilbert Godfrey was great. We knew. But, no, but you know, I, it's, it's yeah. really hard to quantify. That guy, that guy just did seven clubs with back crosses. Right. I will never. Right. I will never know someone well who's able to do that unless it's that guy. <laughs> right. Right. Totally it's, quantifiable. Totally. So I can already tell you the personality of, of your friend Philip because I know he's a juggler. You know, mm-hmm. there's a certain kind of humility that comes with knowing precisely how good you are. Yeah. Well, so and a kind this of is, no, this is a very interesting point because first things first, I, I bring this up, but it always made me laugh. Um, great Dixieland musician, pianist, always had his band, Bob Ringwald, uh, father to Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm. grew up up the street, blind, knew him well, said to me once, I like two things. I like jazz and I like comedy. I was like 18. I said, Bob, I love jazz. I love comedy. And he goes, he goes, yep, uh, Dixieland and Gallagher. <laughs> I'm glad you had that reaction. <laughs> Greatest thing 
ever said. Right, because I was like, I am picturing Miles, Miles and Lenny Davis Bruce. and Lenny Bruce and <laughs> smoke and jazz and whatever and art, you know, and he's picturing the country bear jamboree and a guy pulling shit, you know, smashing watermelons with a sledgematic. And but I, I was young. I was like I was really like 17. I was standing in his backyard with him and I remember thinking, okay, so people think differently and have different in, in different views on stuff, I, even when I think we're thinking about the I will the be same telling thing. that story for so long that it'll become my story. I, I'll be saying please. I was in the back I was in the backyard when I was 18 <laughs> with Molly Wingwall's father, and he said, I have two things, jazz and comedy. The punchline is Perfect. It's you perfect. could never write that. I couldn't write it. I couldn't write it now or when I was 17 and a half. And I mean, I can't think. I can't think of another two examples. It was perfect. I, I, I it can't was, think of another two examples. It was perfect. And if I'd walked away before he had spat out his yeah. two favorite forms of jazz and comedy, then I would have forever thought that Bob Ringwell and I were simpatico right, right. and our taste. Because we both like... Coltrane, that's and right, we, and we and we and we both like Richard Pryor, right? Coltrane right. and Richard Pryor, we both dig them, right? They are fabulous. So, what you brought up, I mean, you should. I mean, if you wanted to put it at the same level of abstraction, you'd say Pete Fountain, right? You know, Boots Randolph, <laughs> Boots Randolph and Gallagher. Well, so now what you brought up, which is interesting, which is when it comes to comedy. And I think people feel this way about sports to a certain degree, too. But you, you brought up juggling. Juggling, totally quantifiable. Magic, not so much. Music, not so much. Um, stand-up. You know, you go, well, who's the, you know, who do you think the best stand-up is? I don't know. I don't know. Jerry Seinfeld. All right. But on any given night, I could go out and be better than Jerry Seinfeld for 15 minutes. Well, do you know, do you know, what, you know what Steve Martin said in his book, hmm. Born Standing Up? It's one of the most brilliant things ever. He said, being great is easy. Being good is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Anybody can go out and have really good nights that are just transcendent. But just to be able to go out every single night and be good, right. that's the hard thing. But with a juggler, as you said, seven pins yeah. and around the back, it's not like a crappy or mid-level juggler could pull that off on a yeah. given night. No. You just cannot physically no. do it. No. And so it's so quantifiable. So as a magician, as a musician, as a comedian, you can say, oh, I can see this guy, is this comedian. He's selling out Madison Square Garden, but I get to think to myself, I'm still funnier than that guy. Yeah, exactly. Right, and then and then somehow sleep at night. You can't do that and as a juggler it. And, and believe it. And find find another twenty guys that agree with you. Yes. Yeah, Adam, you are funnier. Right, but as a juggler, <laughs> you can't do that. No, you have no chance. And so, like when the when you're first leading down this road, I was like, oh. Philip, you're going to say Philip was super confident because he had this skill, but it's but Philip was super humble because he realized there were 2,800 guys on mm -hmm. in the in North America who could juggle better than him. And if you said to him, "How good a juggler are you?" he would say, "I make a living. I love right. doing it." Yeah, that would be the total answer. Right. It wouldn't be like Kirby Birch with his boots. 
going. <laughs> Urban Birch. And I mean, that's a, that's a real different mindset. Where's Bobby Barasini? Oh, boy, well, you know, they, 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 they killed him with the backstage footage. Yeah, he had he was footage of him, like, punching his orangutan. Yeah, right? spraying him and horrible stuff, tasing him. Is he alive? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe the orangutans got him. So was Kirby Birch a good no. good magician? I'm sorry. Well, you know, we all like each other. <laughs> right, right. He wasn't even good. No. It's so it's so funny. Philip just showed me a headshot of the guy, and he said, I'm hooking up with this guy in Branson. I said, this guy, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't no. do it. He's wearing captain's boots <laughs> and like Aquanet. Is this not we, don't, we don't need to call Patton to get the answer on this. Don't hook up with him. Right. How <laughs> did you hook up with the, uh, not sorry, with uh, Teller? Uh, just, just the way life goes. You know, I bought a, when I was in high school, I bought a stereo from a guy who was doing these weird classical musical music shows at Amherst mm -hmm. where Teller went. And, uh, he asked me, you know, uh, I was 17 years old. He said, uh, he was doing this Bach cantata with this, uh, weird group he had of Amherst college alumni in the five college area, mm -hmm. Amherst, Massachusetts, called the Otmarshek Memorial Society for the Preservation of Unusual and Disgusting Music. Wow. It was like a PD Bach, PDQ Bach thing. You mm -hmm. know? And uh, I was, you know, 17 years old. And he said, uh, Can, do you think you could play the bass drum part to Beethoven's fifth while juggling? I said, yeah. Really? He said, just, yeah. I said, yeah, I can learn anything. I'm good at practicing. Oh, you do the kick drum and what, yeah, while we, juggling? On the side. Yeah. Right. No, no. On the side, be able to bounce and do stuff like that. Oh, bounce yeah. the ball. Yeah. Or, or, or I think I hit it with a club, actually. But mm. and I just said, I couldn't do mm. it then. I just said, I've, you know, it was a very, uh, very prescient thing to say that I think I, I try to tell my children. If you learn to practice, you can learn anything. Right. But learning to practice is difficult. Very right. few people know how to practice. Right. But I knew how to practice. I was right. good at practicing. I had that mind-numbing, I will do this for 300 hours, mm -hmm. and I'll be able to do it. He also then said, I want to do the uh, Cachetorian Saber Dance, you know. And do you think you could throw plungers around me and get them to stick to a wall? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I think so. Turns out one of the hardest tricks I ever learned, but I learned to do it. And I went to do the show, and it was really weird because all these people were alumni of Amherst College. Mm -hmm. They were smart. They were erudite. To me, they knew everything. And I was 17, dropped, you know, failing out of high school, and they were all like 25, mm -hmm. you know. And you know that age range yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So I went there, and then uh, there was this guy who was a Latin teacher in mm -hmm. Jersey who was teller. And he was pretending to be blind, mm -hmm. and he was selling pencils outside the uh, concert hall and reciting poetry in Latin that he'd written that was really funny if you knew Latin. Mm -hmm. That's the level of erudition of mm -hmm. the show. And I met Teller, and we chatted a little bit, and I thought he was just crazy smart. And uh, then, a year later, I was essentially homeless for a long while. And then I, a couple of years later, I was living in New York and I had no money. I was practicing juggling eight hours a day with my partner, seven days a week. We had this little apartment in, in what was then the Lower East Village, very dangerous, Hell's Angels and everything around. And uh, 
we had to find one apartment with high ceilings. And we practiced like all day, all day, crazy. And we had no money. It was, you know, peanut butter sandwiches and powdered milk. And that's Mm -hmm. all we lived on. And Teller was working as a Latin teacher. And you know, if you don't have a job, a guy who's teaching has a lot of money. Yeah. So he would call me up. I didn't like him. He'd call me up and say, I'll take you out to dinner Friday. It was Mm -hmm. like, whoa. Right. You know? And uh, by the way, the story from the other side is exactly the same. Teller says he didn't like me, but right. I bought his attention with dinner. Right. And he would take me out to dinner, and we would talk. And then I saw Teller at a library show, like in a basement, for like 35 people doing magic. And I went, Jesus, this is a different thing. This is not a guy torturing women. Right. This is not a guy from the wearing the captain's boots. He, no, he was not wearing captain's boots. Although he might have been wearing tights, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I went, whoa. And we started talking about magic. And I said, and this is not actually contradictory what I said, but it might seem it to you. While I was juggling, I was also doing a lot of card tricks. When I say card tricks, I mean manipulations. I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to fool people. I was just going, look at I can shuffle with one hand. Right. I can do all this stuff. So we started talking about magic and tell her kind of um who's always been a bit of a teacher, said, you know, try reading these books and stuff like that. And I was starting to work as a juggler. And um, I uh, I went to Ringling Brothers Barn and Bailey, greatest show on earth, Clown College. And mm-hmm. um, I actually got to be, when you're living on the streets and have no money, you can learn to juggle for tips mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And I was right. very good. And I got this job at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, and I called up and I said, um, I said to the guy who booked me, I was the highest they'd ever paid because the guy knew I could get people's attention outdoors doing the show. And uh, I said, I got this magician I want to bring with me. And he said, well, I got no more money in my budget. And I said, well, if, can I just give him half of my money? And the guy went, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I called up Teller and said, you want to do a real, you've always been a Latin teacher who did magic on the side. You want to be a real magician? and work out of the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. He said, yes, more than anything. And I said, well, we start in August. And, I, and he said, perfect. And I said, and we finish up, uh, I think it's uh, first week in October. Mm-hmm. And Teller went, oh, well, I, I start teaching then again. And I just got tenure. And was he I at said, Amherst, did he say? No, he was teaching in, in Jersey oh, okay. because of Vietnam. But that's a whole other mm-hmm. story. And... Uh, he said, I'm supposed to be teaching that. And I just said one of the meanest things I ever said to anyone. I said, oh, uh, sorry I called. I thought you were a magician, not a Latin teacher. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. And the phone rang two hours later, and he said, I won't quit, but I'll take a leave of absence, which is really funny because Teller still has the letter. Mm. And supposedly he's still on that leave of absence. <laughs> and it ties in with something else because John Stewart – was a student at that class and was enrolled in Mr. Teller's Latin class for the next year. Really? And then was told, he's not going to be here. He's out doing magic. Really? And then John Stewart followed Mr. Teller's career. And John Stewart has said, all I've wanted in life is to be more famous than my teacher at Lawrence High School that left before wow. he taught me Latin. Always at high school. Wow. So, so. If you ever say to yourself, you know, John Stewart would be so much better if he had a foundation in the classics. Mm. If he knew Latin and Greek mm-hmm. and could quote the Iliad and the Odyssey, he'd be better. You can just say, I know whose fault that is. That's it's right. Teller's fault. 
Wow. And we talked. I mean, we still talk romantically about that drive from Jersey to Minnesota, the two of us in a Datsun 210 station wagon, which I know you could fix. Sure. And um, <laughs> a Datsun, not a Nissan, a Datsun <laughs> yeah. 210 wagon. Yeah. yeah. That conversation, that conversation of what magic should be and could be mm-hmm. is really, and I, I, I say this without too much hyperbole, a little bit, is the foundation for what you would see on the Rio stage of Penn and Teller now. It's such a inspiring story. And it's also, it's interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in how people don't recognize qualities in other people. So many people just sort of slid. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Jimmy Kimmel because I'm sitting in a room with his name and face all Which over is the packed. place. But I... I met Jimmy. I was like, oh, this guy's the shit. This guy's got something going on. And everyone else would be like, ah, don't listen to that guy. And I was like, how come you don't see what mm-hmm. I see in mm-hmm. this person? And they're like, hey, he's a behind the scenes guy. You know, he's not really. And and I'm glad people miss it because then you can find it yeah. and hit your wagon to it. But it, it's always it's always incredible to me that people that are so outstanding and 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 so obviously outstanding can just kind of slide past yeah. under everyone's radar for what seems like an extended period of time oftentimes through many different venues and you know Jimmy would bounce from one radio station to the other radio station they'd go ah we don't he doesn't really fit in around here just go somewhere else you know and and it's like uh and I guess I was the same way of course then when Jimmy met me, he felt the same way. He's like, why isn't anyone listening to you? And I'm like, eh, no one listens to me. And he's like, I'll listen to you. And so, and it sounds like you had that yeah, same yeah, thing. Exactly. With Teller. Teller and I, and I, I think this is so important. You know, we have uh, Tommy Smothers actually said in a press release, now that we're not working, it's Penn and Teller. <laughs> wow. They're the longest, they're the longest. Thing. And people ask, and I always tell the them. The Smothers brothers were the longest. Yeah running show yeah. out here? I mean, no, 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 no. Uh, they were the longest partnership, just oh, in general. Just in general. Because yes, yes. partnerships are way out of fashion. You know, you yeah. don't have Martin and Lewis, Abbott and Costello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all. So um, the reason is, I've always said, uh, and I've said this so many times, but um, Teller and I are not based on friendship. Mm-hmm. It's totally on respect. Mm-hmm. We both believe that we do better stuff together than we do separately. Mm. And we still prove that. Individual yeah, projects. No, agreed. And and, and, and I, I it, it's kind of up there with my adage where everyone's talking about who's nice, who's not nice. It's like, forget about who's nice. Who's fair, who's smart, mm-hmm. who treats people with dignity. Too much emphasis on nice. You know, we get along because he's nice and I'm nice. You, you'll get along much better, much longer if you have this base of mm-hmm. respect and you think you're not doing them a favor by going yeah. out on well, stage with well, them you know, every night. You know, uh, uh, Lennon and McCartney... We're in love. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were really in love. It may, as, we, as time goes on, we may find out that it really was sexual, but I think it was. They were really deeply in love. So as soon as they weren't in love, their whole world crumbled. Mm. You know, uh, as soon as they, at 28, found that, you know, maybe we want to marry women, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things crumbled. Teller and I have always been like two guys running a dry cleaning shop. Mm-hmm. And... People will tell you uh, there are many times working together where we are clearly not getting along. 
Mm-hmm. We're not mean to each other. We're not disrespectful, but we're like two guys working to 7-Eleven. We're just getting through it. And, you know, it's clear that after, you know, almost 50 years, uh, at, at, by any measurement, Teller's my best friend. He was the first one to hold my children after my wife and I, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but uh, our relationship is essentially complete respect business partners. And that's so much more powerful. I mean, if you talk to me about how much you want to go out and laugh with Teller after a show and have a good time, I might tell you, yeah, don't fucking bother. But if you want to tell me who is the best person at thinking about this structure of a trick or a joke, I'll say you're not going to ever find better than Teller. And I I believe that same thing is, is reciprocal. All right, we'll take a break and we really will get to a little news right after this. Hi, this is Penn from jolly old England, and I'm using all sorts of, all sorts of groovy technology and digital services. I mean, right to, just to send this to you, I'm using all this stuff. I mean, so much of the stuff we do on our smartphones and all of that, it's the way we should live our lives. We control things that way. And with the world so digitized and automated, why stick to old school mailing and shipping? Do you like that segue? It's very nice. If you mail or ship often, let stamps.com do the hard part for you. Simply Print, postage, and shipping labels right from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes. It's no long lines, no complicated setups. You just go. And don't forget, they've been a sponsor of the show since 2013. Ten years of great service helping us and helping you. It's such a good service. We use it for everything. We use it for everything. So you don't have to go to the post office and also stuff. They got deals with USPS and UPS from up to 84% off. It automatically tells you the cheapest way to do it. I just, they've been doing it for 25 years, indispensable to over a million businesses. You just got to do it. You don't have time to go to the post office, no matter who you are. Stamps.com, stamps.com, stamps.com. It's really easy. It's cheaper. It's just the greatest thing in the world. Sign up with promo code PEN for a special office that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter PEN. Stamps.com. They're great. I got to tell you, this Caldera Lab stuff is really, really good. There's a lot of sun out to ensure your skin is well prepared for the summer, in the summer. I've incorporated Caldera Labs into my routine, taking care of my skin. Look at this. The skin looks beautiful. It's never been simpler. Their products are clinically proven to help visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, which I need. It's just wonderful. It's wonderful. You just, your skin feels really, really good. Just use the code PEN at Caldera Lab. That's C A L D E R A L A B dot com to enjoy 20% off their finest products. It's really good. It's high performance skincare. You get to put nice stuff on your face and it feels really good. I use the, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. Clean slate cleans you up. Base layer just kind of makes it all soft. And then the good is the night before. When you go to bed, you put it on. It's really, it's really good. I like it. An icon. I put it on my eyes. All this stuff makes your skin feel really, really groovy. It makes me, I think I look better. People say I look better. So, so good. Go to uh, Caldera Labs. Get 20% off with our code 
Pen at calderalabs.com. That's 3% off at Caldera Labs by using the code PEN. Elevate your skincare game this summer with Caldera Labs. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. Check it out. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. And Gillette, hanging out backstage at uh, Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club. How full is it? How full is it? It's packed in this yeah. room. Uh, Chris has got a little hey news guys. for us. Yeah. So actually, since we're in Vegas, I wanted to do some local news. And uh, Siegfried and Roy's former estate yeah. has just been sold for uh, the full $3 million asking price. It's called Jungle Palace. But it wasn't sold to uh, Murray, right? Murray Sawchuck? No, it's uh, Brett Cardin. Right, because Murray Sawchuck, who's a magician here in town, um, got some press a few days ago by, I'm touring the Siegfried and Roy house and considering buying it, which I guess is a very good move. But uh, Teller just wrote me an email going, maybe we should buy it just for a joke. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know. Uh, Make Kirby live there. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> well, they've already got the boots. That's right. Yeah, they're, they they're, they're in the, the closet. Boots. They're in That's the closet. Right. Well, they were for a while, yeah, those <laughs> boots. Yeah. I mean, so here's a question with that kind of stuff. I, I think the uh, Playboy Mansion sold several years ago, Homeby Hills, I don't know, $100 million or something like that. Anyone who's ever been to the Playboy Mansion, it's sort of like seeing the original Batmobile. You mm -hmm. go, oh, come on. Yeah. It's a piece of shit, you know. Yeah. And there's electric tape on the steering wheel and stuff like that, electrical tape and stuff. And it's like... Yeah, that's what the Playboy Mansion was. Yeah, yeah. But then the question is, is do There's you the keep grotto. it? There's the grotto. There's the grotto there made of paper mache. Do you keep it as a sort of time capsule? I mean, Homeby Hills, some of the most expensive real estate on the planet. Or do you develop it and get rid of it? Like, what do you do? What do you do with Siegfried and Roy's house? Well, right. What do you do with the Sharon Tate house? <laughs> oh, well, they bulldoze that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Brett thought that somebody was going to tear the buy the property and tear it down. So he purchased it, and um, and they thought, okay, maybe we'll make this a tourist attraction or a short term vacation rental. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they want to keep so at the at this point yeah, they want to keep they, it the way they, it is. That is a more reasonable, uh, more reasonable desire than the than the Playboy Mansion because it's in a bad neighborhood. The real estate's not worth anything. It is in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, it wasn't when they built it. Right. You know, same as the Liberace place, you know? The museum or his house? Uh, both. They're the same. You know, the museum was over in a strip mall, but right. the house was also a museum. And the thing is that we know you have talked to smart 25-year-olds 
really smart 25-year-olds and ask them who Richard Pryor is. Right. And ask them who Johnny Carson is. Oh, I just had a guess. <laughs> she wasn't 25, I don't know, 32 or something. I had no idea who. No, because... So that's Siegfried and Roy are important to our culture for another three and a half minutes. Right. Yeah. Sad. But it's not really sad. It's the way life should go because there has to be other, like, you know, I get crazy about this. My friends talk about their children. They say, oh, you know, my children like the same music that I do. But I say, you're a shitty parent. You know, (laughs) when I get in the car with my children, they play the music. When yeah. we watch TV together, we watch the stuff that they like. You know, I, I'm not a guy that, that would watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. My son loves to watch it. He loves to watch Inside Job, you know, the cartoon that, that right. is goofy. And I enjoy it. It's really good. But I'm not saying, oh, no, 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 no. Man, you got to see Dawn of the Dead. He wants right. to see Cocaine Bear. You know, right. that's where I'm going tomorrow is to see Cocaine Bear. We're not going to sit home and watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So it's perfect. I mean, Penn and Teller need to be forgotten because there's other stuff coming down the pike. Done and done. (laughs) But what I'm I'm kind of saying is is maybe speaking of juggling, kind of do both. Like keep up, know what's going on, know who Wiz Khalifa is, but also know who Three Dog Night is. And and we had a kind of emphasis on wanting to know about the past when we were younger. Mm -hmm. That emphasis is gone now. And the number one answer for young people when you ask, well, you don't know who Johnny Carson is? Like, I wasn't even born when he was like, yeah. I know, Shakespeare. You weren't right, born with fucking right. Shakespeare. You weren't born with Bach. You right. weren't even born with John Coltrane, right. Miles Davis, right. Richard Pryor. Right. Learn everything. Mm. Learn. I mean, I, uh, you know Firesign Theater. Yes. Well, Firesign Theater, Phil Proctor, um, they did a thing called Proctor and Bergman. And I was 18. I was hitchhiking around the country following Proctor and Bergman. Mm-hmm. I would go to the, and I did this performance art thing where I would show up at the club. You know, they were selling only okay in mm-hmm. small clubs. I would show up at eight o'clock in the morning with my friend waiting to buy tickets when the tickets office opened. And you know, they come in for sound check at four in the afternoon. And Phil Proctor says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I just read in the paper that people were lining up for the stones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 10 hours before the show. And I, I like you more than the stones. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting here. It's a sign of respect. Wow. And I said, you know, he said, what do you do? I said, it's a performance art thing. My friend and I want to stand here to show we would wait in line to see you. Mm-hmm. And he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a juggler. I want to do more stuff in comedy. And, and uh, Phil Proctor said, I said, what's your advice? He said, my advice, know everything. Mm-hmm. He said, for comedy, don't worry about comedy or timing or anything. Know everything. Learn Russian. Know the specs on the space station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn to fix a car. Learn everything. Yeah. And then you'll be funny. So it's the, the punchline to pay off. So we were on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, many years later, whatever that would be, 20, 25 years later. And Phil Proctor comes to the show and he comes mm-hmm. backstage. And I said, you know, Phil, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you in Chicago and you gave me advice on show business. And he said, I said, he said, I don't think I do. I said, really long hair, uh, eye makeup, juggler. He went, you're, the, you're that guy. Vaguely kind. Of, maybe he's lying. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I said, you gave me advice in show business that really helped me. He said, what did I say? Now, remember, you're on Broadway. Think back and tell me precisely 
what I said because I could use the help. (laughs) 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 And I said, you told me, learn everything. And he said, fucking useless. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing. When people say, you know, you cannot, anyone who talks about music, plus or minus three years of their first blowjob, Mm -hmm. you throw out everything they say. Mm. Everything they say in those six years, Mm. we don't care about because that's nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about important music to us, when you're talking about what you think of different musical forms, as soon as I do the math in my head that that's those three, and you start saying, well, you know, rap was one of the greatest bands ever, I kind of go, oh, that's that's in your window. My blowjob window. I'm not listening to you at all. No, it's 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 very. But when you start saying, well, you know, I was listening to uh, uh, kind of blue, the listen to the Miles Davis thing, and I go, okay, now we're talking. I or, completely, yeah. yeah. No, I've said this many times as it pertains to movies because mm-hmm. I always say you'll talk to someone, especially someone who's younger, and mm-hmm. then they'll say "Dirty Rotten Scoundrels" so like the funniest movie ever made, you know. And I go, that movie came out in '87, and you were born in '70. Oh, you were 14. Oh, oh, oh. Well, this yeah, explains that's, uh, Star I don't, Wars. I don't say blowjob, but that's yeah. sort of, it's in the pre But you have said the era. words blowjob. Yes, I've certainly put those two words together. But <laughs> yes, people need to know the difference between nostalgia mm-hmm. and well, quality. There's nothing wrong with there's it. There's nothing wrong with nothing it, but let's not mistake it for quality. Right, exactly. Right. If right. I want to listen to Incense and Peppermints, right. I, Strawberry and I say, I really, really, this means a lot to me, you say, okay, but we're not going to talk about it. No, it, it's it's basically like saying this tuna casserole that my mom used to make with Hamburger Helper is the best cuisine ever. It's right. like, no, it brings back memories of before your parents were divorced. Right. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. I also want to get Penn's thoughts on the upcoming F1 race that's coming to town. Oh. So. It's coming in November. It's the most highly anticipated F1 race ever. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at 10 p.m., so we get all the lights for the sh- from the strip. Well, not only do you get the lights, but those cars frequently bottom out and spray sparks out of the back. So at night, it's just that much more dramatic. Right. So, th- yeah, this is, this is obviously a huge deal. Street um, course, Standing right. room only tickets are going for $500 right now. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and like other tickets, of course, you know, twenty five hundred if if you want to be near the new MSG Sphere and things like that, because it's going through the whole town. And yeah, the the town is just this whole city is just prepping for this huge event, first time ever. It's going to be in Vegas. Remember what I said about Phil Proctor saying know everything? Yeah, I don't. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife the other day at uh, at uh, supper said to me and my children. You know, this big race is coming to town. We have to learn about racing and get into it. This is a good opportunity for us. She tanked with that. It did not go over well at supper. We all went, we, we don't know racing. Oh, uh, yeah, no no Nissan Leafs growing through the, uh, the streets. <laughs> with, so uh, are you, are you going to be here for that? Are you excited uh, about that? I'm excited about it. I don't know if I'll be here. I'll try to well, figure it out. Well, explain to me what F1 racing is. F1 racing is just the top of the food chain for any automotive racing. And it is technologically sort of leaps and bounds uh, above whatever, whatever there is. And there's probably a lot of innovation probably came out of F1, like 
no lock braking and stuff. You know, they, there's lots of innovation that starts in F1 and makes its way to the Fords and the Nissans and everything like that. Um, it's really just saying there is no faster way a human being could get around this circuit other than being in this vehicle. And there's no faster drivers on the planet because that it ends up being, if you are the fastest person on the planet, you probably don't end up in NASCAR. You probably end up in, or in Indy, you probably end up in, in F1. And it's just sort of knowing that these 20 guys are the best 20 on the planet. And these cars are the most advanced cars on the planet. It, I don't, I don't know if people articulate it that way, but I think that's, that's what it is. That's the attraction. It's it's the meritocracy. You know, you're of the it. you're the one who explained to me in terms of cars the Houdini wand or the um, uh, Odessa's ship. When I asked you, when you keep changing parts in a car, what makes it the car? Because you know, I've got this wand that belonged to Houdini. I changed both the tips and I changed the piece of wood in the center, but this belonged to him. You said that on Paul Newman's. Was it the Porsche that he raced? I was. It, I don't think it was a Porsche I was talking about. It, but I remember we we're yeah. in a van and we we're doing Celebrity Apprentice. Mm -hmm. and I think we were driving around somewhere. And you said, well, what is it with these race cars? Because they blow up the engine, they replace the engine, then they get crashed and they replace the bodywork <laughs> and they replace the transmission and stuff like that. So you did the Houdini's Except wand. I wouldn't have known the word transmission, but okay. <laughs> Example. <laughs> You said, yeah. you said, do you still own Houdini's wand if you've done the tips and you've done the shaft yeah. and it's all been swapped out? And I just said, you do if someone else doesn't claim to own Houdini's right, right. wand, yeah, yeah. then you still have Houdini's wand. But I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm learning this about. So should I force my family to go and watch this? I think, you know, it's a spectacle, I think. And I think you like spectacles. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean exclusively, but I mean, it's like I, I went to the Indianapolis 500 several years ago and I was like, oh, my God, this is a spectacle. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's not. All about the But they're going to race, like, right down Las Vegas Boulevard? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that dangerous with all people walking across the street? Uh, that yeah. Cars? We should, we should definitely bring that up. Flyers to strip clubs and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. You're right. All right, let's do one more. All right, well, uh, Robert Blake just died. Yeah, Beretta. Yeah. I didn't Beretta hear that. Cold Blood. Yeah, yeah the... Uh, the 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 great yet controversial and actor. It is also possible he got away with murdering. That is that's the whole that's the whole point, right? I mean, right. but nobody a lot of it was nobody felt sorry for the woman he murdered yeah, because that's, that's she it. turned out to have a little bit a of a dicey of, past. That's right, yeah. I don't think you'd even need the word little bit. No, a maximum amount of diciness. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, he he did, his alibi was the nuttiest alibi yeah. ever. I was going in to get a gun. Yes. Yeah, and then when I came back, she yeah, was shot. That was, that was Vitello's, I think. Yeah, it, it was. It was across the street from the Two Roads yeah. Theater where I started, and we'd hang out at yeah. Vitello's before the show. So I knew it well. I knew where he lived and everything. I remember interviewing Robert Blake on Loveline, I got to say 1998 or something like that, and he it, he struck me as one of the most dour, depressed guys in the world well you, you heard what he said in an interview just two years ago i was born entirely alone i yes. lived entirely alone i'm gonna die entirely alone we, that is not a hallmark card 
<laughs> we no, we were in Culver City at the time at uh, Westwood One, and there was this weird hotel that was just sort of across the parking lot. And he said, "I lived in that hotel when I was like nine, and he was a child star, I guess." Yeah, but I guess his, his, his yeah his parents were poor or abusive or he was whatever dancing on the street with his two or three for I, I mean he he grew up in a sort of poverty and a kind of a generation and a kind of you could do whatever you wanted with kids kind of era that just doesn't exist anymore it somehow got seared into him and he I just remember thinking this is the saddest soul I've ever really spoken to it was wow. just oozing out of him and did you like Beretta? I watched Beretta. I it love was Beretta. I, every every I watched every cop show when I was a kid. He had a cockatiel, I think. Yeah, bird named Fred. Fred. Yeah, and that was enough that he hated I, when I was that he uh, when I was the right age. And uh, he would, you know, he had his little catchphrases. You can take that to the bank. And the other one, uh, all the tough guys I know are in the jailhouse or the graveyard. Right and. Don't do the crime if, if you can't, can't do the time. Was that Sammy Davis Jr.? Was he was saying that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So what is he? Did he make it to 90? 89. 89. No, he didn't. But yeah, I mean, and you're right. So, But you know, uh, there's some mileage on Robert Blake. I mean, drugs and so on. I'm always amazed that people with that incredible, well, you know, the obvious example, of course, is Keith Richards. But, um, right. but it's amazing that Robert Blake would live that long. I agree. Yeah, especially, Just, and yeah, everyone did say he was very depressed. He was a miserable human being. <laughs> yes, he was. And I guess he grew up in L.A. I, I mean, no, no, he was crazy... from New York. Oh, he's from New York. And then he moved out because his dad thought there might be a buck in movies for him. Oh, as a young child. Yeah. Spanky and our gang? Yeah, yeah, our gang. Yeah, our, our gang. gang. Yeah. He, I mean, he was there with Alfalfa. Yeah. And uh, Which is... Oh, just to make it clear, I'm too old for that stuff. But like I know about Bach, That's I also know right. about our gang. Yeah. yeah. And the, the night he was acquitted, they all went to Vitello's and partied. Really? Yeah. Wow. He must have hated that woman. <laughs> Jesus, it's so, I, I don't know. It's so sad when someone just, I mean, he had to be thinking shortly before he died. Like, really? This is it? You just go through life just miserable and dour and and i i get it these are all scars that he carries from his youth but at, at a certain point man turn the page yeah there, there are there are other there are other people that have had horrendous yeah horrendous yes that's sure. that don't come off that way and there's other people that were absolutely as bitter as um robert blake who had wonderful childhoods one of the most disturbing things ever is uh it's good that I can't remember the name. It's actually wonderful. I can't remember the name. Kirby. But the but the, uh, the shooters, uh, the kind of the school shooter inventors um, in in the nineties in uh, in uh, uh, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, whatever his name was. Klebold. Uh, Klebold. Yeah. Dylan Klebold. And his, I don't want to remind him. And his partner. Yeah. They did extensive research. Extensive research with the parents mm -hmm. of them. Parents are kind of perfect. Mm. They saw all the warning signs. They tried to get help. Every piece of advice you could ever get about how not to turn out a, a school shooter, they followed. Mm. You know, and that's, that is the horror, the absolute horror. You know, it used to be, 
with uh, anomalies, horrible anomalies. We blamed like, you know, this, this kid's head's blowing up because his mother was scared by an elephant when she was pregnant, or we used to blame witches. And yeah. now we're in the period of time where we, we do blame the parents. It's always the parents' yeah. fault. And that may be just as superstitious as what we did before. Because, you know, there's that, I don't like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats. The silicone chip inside his head switched off to overload. Yeah. Which may be all of it. You know, that was the... Uh, so that's kid shot up a school and they said, why'd you do it? And he said, I don't like Mondays. Yeah. Right. I think that we, it's our grasping at answers that tries to say that Robert Blake was a miserable prick because he had this horrible upbringing. Which Worst eulogy ever. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's a stirring tribute. Started Pat. off with I love Beretta. We're going down the right road. No, I, I think what it is, exclusively, but what it is, is we try to make sense of things because mm -hmm. when horrible things happen, we try to make sense of them. Like when an airline airliner crashes and they go oh well the screw jack that operated the tail <laughs> that didn't work we then go okay they figured it out right and they just went it just crashed because it crashed and now we're scared <laughs> it shitless. fell out of the it sky it just fell out of the sky we're scared shitless yeah. to get on an airplane mm -hmm. and when a kid just does something horrible we search desperately for motivation we, we also yeah. do that because I mean, we want to control it the simple one is the rape one you know right. she was wearing a short skirt Right. And she was a little, she looked a little bit slutty on the street. We're only saying that so we have a reason. You should be able to walk down the street absolutely butt ass naked with porno stapled to your ass, and people should rape you because they don't rape. Right. You know, it was that great. I mean, Chris Rock, first of all, if you're going to slap someone publicly, Mm -hmm. Do not pick one of the most articulate <laughs> yeah, with people a microphone. we, we yeah. have a live. Do it to the microphone. homeless like I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this guy's a big microphone yeah. and a big audience. And you know what he ended up saying mm. when he said, why didn't you hit him back? Oh, he said his parents yeah. raised him right. Well, so yeah. the parents do make yeah. a difference. Yeah. We tied it all together. All right. Well, let's bring it home. Let me give uh, Penn a nice plug here. TV series Penn and Teller Fool Us is uh, season 10. It should be. Uh, 10 seasons just got picked up on the CW and then uh, the game, you lying sack, that's available at Walmart. And, and don't Amazon forget well. my novel, Random. Oh, your novel, I wrote Random. A random. Yeah, I wrote a novel called Random. Available where you find finer books. And then, of course, uh, The Rio, the yeah. live show. That's uh, tickets at Penn and Teller. Dot com. Well, I always look forward to talking to you, my what friend. I always pleasure. know how easy it is on me to come in here and let you do all the heavy lifting. So, what a pleasure. Uh, Just an absolute pleasure. Great Robert Blake, up. we did love Beretta. Okay? We did love there it. And go. you can take that to the bank. And until next time, <laughs> it's Adam Kroll for Penn Gillette saying mahalo. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And to our listening You become naked.
Do you have anybody to thank there, Matt Dunn? Yeah, I want to thank people who love supporting the show with a little bit of jingle from their own wallets. And man, do we appreciate it. Thank you to Jeremy R22, Winter Wierkowski, Kristen Kladick, Michael Cohen, Dr. Scoop Little, Joe Mastrangelo, Jeremiah Jenkins. I will say anything you want me to say if you subscribe at patreon.com slash pen. I am like a Matt puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Miller, Alexander Hoffman, Danny Olwine, Stephen Volcano, Jim, the magician who would love to perform on the new Penn and Teller block trick, Naked, Scooped Mids, and Paul McBride. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.